Hi guys, my name is Travis Bayless. I'm with Joel Rosenio, is that correct? Anyways, this is the mental health portion called Let's Talk About It. Okay, so let me just dive into it. We both, as I'm aware, we both have bipolar disorder. Are you one or two? Are you aware of if it's more pervasive or less pervasive or? I think it's two. I think it's two, okay. So that, that typically means it's less pervasive. So my question to you is that typically people with bipolar disorder usually get diagnosed in their 20s. You happen to be in your late thir 30s or mid 30s? Is that mid correct? Mid 40s. Mid 40s. So that's pretty late. Do you feel from the beginning that you felt it wasn't a real illness that you could never believe it? Or did you pretty much downright believe that it was something that you knew you had and you had to get treated for? My symptoms didn't appear until later in life and or my well maybe you know it was always there but my diagnosis didn't come until five six years ago the first time i've it was possibility was raised that i was bipolar but uh prior to that a good long time though of depression and maybe some generalized anxiety disorder with that which is another diagnosis i have how were you officially diagnosed were you in the hospital? Did they give you a diagnosis in 2008? Or was it some other route, like you had a suicide ideation and you had you just know, ended up... I think the first time I heard it was I was doing counseling and uh, med medication management through... Uh, it used to be um, called... It's Canvas Health now. It was, it's Washington County. Um, it's Washington County's version of mental health support. And I was living in Washington County in Woodbury at the time. So I think that's the first time I heard of it. Then I was getting services from people incorporated through an ACT team. And they, again, I had to have a diagnostic assessment with them. And Were you ever officially placed on a caddy waiver or are you familiar with that? Or I only know a little bit about that. And I'm, I'm waiting for uh, Social Security Disability um, decision. And I was recently in an Ertz facility, and they said once, if that comes down, if Social Security deems you just you know disabled, um, then you get caddy waiver, I guess, is what that, and that helps with finding housing. I'm not no, so I I, I, I don't know a lot about it. I don't know. Okay, that's it. fine. We won't have to dive too much into it, but I guess I'm a little bit curious to the fact that do you believe when you were in prison or in jail, do you feel that affected your mental health and made you? in a worse state or was actually the care and there was pretty good and you're taking care of really well no <laughs> due to the nature uh the resources the lack of funding um let me say this in general western western culture and western society this country does a very poor job providing for its mentally ill in this country we have a history um as recently as last century, uh, just rounding up our mentally ill and throwing them in jail. We don't take care of their symptoms. We don't give them medication. We don't give them counseling. We just round them up, throw them in a, an asylum or in jail. And this country has a horrible history of dealing with its mentally ill. So let me just say that. Uh, um, I did get some, I guess, I mean, they were... Small little meetings inside prison with what you call your therapist. Uh, I don't know if I call it therapy. Uh, and maybe once every three or four weeks you go see them and 
talked to them for five ten minutes, but uh, that that was their and 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 the, and the spectrum of availability for mental health meds uh, for um, whatever your diagnosis is. I mean, if it's severe as psychosis, if it's uh, schizophrenia, or if, if it's just something like bipolar generalized anxiety, they they don't they don't take care of you very well in prison. Um, They'll give you the spectrum availability of, of, of medications um, is very abbreviated. They don't, there's a lot of things they won't let you have in prison. So I, 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 I chuckle when you said that, that you thought maybe they, they do okay there. No, they just do the nature of the funding uh, in this state. And I'm sure this is a fairly progressive and liberal state compared to the other 49 states. And I said that if I was in prison in, say, Texas or Louisiana, so I'm sure it'd be much worse. But uh, So you pretty much believe that the, there's a lot of issues when it comes to getting and receiving help when you're in prison if you have a mental illness. So my question to you is, if funding isn't available, what is the next step that could be done to help people instead of just rounding them up in jail thinking that they're mentally ill and that's where they belong? Is there... Is there something you think that would work better? Because I'm just well, on curious. a legislative level. On, I mean, since you're in the politics, on a legislative level, there's got to be more, more resources put into funding and and the and the help provided. And again, we're a more progressive state. Uh, we're in a fairly progressive county, Hennepin County here, and there are some there. There's help there if you, if you want it, but I don't know if the people out there that really need the help. Uh, a lot of those people don't know where to go. Um, there's not enough money thrown at marketing this or advertising this. Um, I'm not saying run TV commercials, but um, visibility is, and, and I don't know, because leaves a lot to be desired. So another question in regards to dual diagnosis, you were struggling with a gambling addiction. You feel since you're diagnosed with bipolar, that this actually contributed to the fact that you had a gambling addiction, or was it just kind of a maybe a an add-on or a subsidiary to your problems, or was it the only problem? Or no, the gambling. Uh, I mean, there's yeah, that, that had a lot to do with the depression. Yeah, had a lot to do. You know, I mean, correct from wrong, but by Bipolar is, is also another name for manic depressive, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I was manically depressed uh, many times back in college when I was losing all my money. And sometimes I'd win. I mean, you know, I didn't, so always, is it I didn't like, always lose. But So, is it kind of like you're in, you're in a state of, like, disbelief and depression that you feel like it's time to spend? Then you hope that the high will come if you get a big reward from it? Is that true? Yeah, that's, that's you know, something. How often was that luck able to help you out throughout the... <laughs> Um, that's the problem with, with, uh, problem gambling, with, uh, addictive gambling. Um, if you, people have systems, people like to think they're disciplined. And I, I always thought I was a disciplined and, um, gambler. And there were times where, you know, I'd set my limit and I'd win it or I'd lose it and then, and, and I'd walk out. But, um, a lot of people call themselves systems gamblers. They have a system. Um, whether you're playing slot machines or you're playing blackjack or poker, um, 
it's hard to stay disciplined and hard to stay with that system when when things start going bad. And then you kind of throw your system out the window and you just start, you know, throwing more money at your problem. So, um, yeah, you may walk into a casino with the best intentions and have a plan, but yeah, the, the, the plans don't always, you know, you don't always stick to your plan. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of relationship with the, the mania and the gambling. So another question regarding that, have you had a few or maybe just one hospitalization when it comes to your illness or oh i've i've walked myself to the emergency room three or four times in my life uh, when i felt like harming myself felt suicidal what were there issues regarding maybe a relationship because you mentioned that you had two relationships that pretty much maybe was the onset for the bipolar or do you feel that a lot of it is actually environmental versus maybe a genetic component when it comes to the illness or do you think it's maybe defined by each other? We're a product of our environment. There's a lot of to be said about nature versus nurture. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I've lived it and I'm not sure if necessarily if, if Koreans or Southeast Asians are more prone to depression or um, I don't know. I'd be, I, I, I don't really know how to answer that. <laughs> I'd That's be interested funny. to see if there's, um, stronger links with. So regarding the deep seated issues, you just handled like not only your daughter's stuff, but someone in the family, your mother's aunt or mother's my mother's sister, mother's sister. So my, on my mother's side would be my maternal aunt my only maternal aunt. So this is my, my mother's only, only sibling. And so I wasn't terribly close to her. Her name is Don Hemmingson, but you know, I mean, it's, it's a loss for the family, but my problem is when I see my, it's, it's, it's a, it, it upset my mother. And so when I see my mother upset, I get upset. So that's, that was, that's what, that's why I've taken that hard because my mother's only sibling and you know, she's not taking it well. So Nick, so, so when I see my mother upset, I get upset. So since the deaths were so close to each other and it was so recent, do you feel that you're in a situation where life is pretty much unbearable or are you actually dealing with it better? Do you feel getting out and talking to people or support systems helping? Are you managing your meds or did anything happen or change since those two deaths? I'm going to preface my comments by saying this um there's there's a lot of people out there who have dealt with a lot more tragedy in their lives and dealt with it and 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 persevered i'm not as necessarily as strong as them and i've thought about ending my life for less than what i'm dealing with now um i was suicidal after losing 500 dollars at the casino back in back in my college years so i mean that's i've been willing to end my life for less than that but now given this enormous tragedy that i've been dealing with the loss of my only child um it's it's been rough and my first reaction my first fallback was to you know find a really cheap and painless method and 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 and, and exit this world but um, 
I have a nine-year-old niece that reminds me a lot of my daughter and I really don't want to do that to her. And I certainly don't want to do that to my mother while my mother's still alive. And I always, and I'd always, and I've been telling my therapist this for years. I said, well, the only thing that prevent me from doing anything really, I mean, I, I, I really would like to, but my mother, but once my mother passes away, I feel like I have a green light. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's necessarily true anymore, but, um, I've, I've been saying that for a long time. Uh, when it comes to suicide, I've always been afraid of like doing the deed because I feel like the repercussion that you survive it is going to be worse than it was before. Do you do you feel that's pretty much how you feel about suicide? And yeah, even though you're invested in a lot to research, you feel that that what prevents you because you're scared of living. I'm scared of yeah. That's funny you bring it up because I have thought of that. I, I always thought if I jumped from a really great height, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to finish the job because I'd probably just end up a quadriplegic or a paraplegic or if I shot myself in the head, it would miss the vital parts of the brain or something and I'd end up, you know, surviving with, with permanent disabilities or um, what are some other ones? Uh, if I overdosed on um, some sort of medication or poison or something, I would just end up needing a liver transplant. So those things do... Uh, do stay in the back of my mind. And that's one of the reasons I think that it's a check and balance right now of why I'm still here. But having said that, uh, this last Christmas Eve, I was in North Memorial for a couple of nights. And this last Christmas Eve, I, I took half a bottle of sleeping pills. And that was before my daughter passed away. So again, I'm, I thought about doing, doing, doing that suicide for far less than what I'm dealing with now. So my question to you, do you feel this is a turning point or a new mission for yourself or a new goal for yourself that if your daughter were still alive today, is there something you want to accomplish? Or do you feel it's still the end of the road and that you're not sure what you want to do? Maybe it's more men mental medication help or therapy or maybe psychiatric work or maybe a mission to volunteer or a job or any of these in the back of your mind when it comes to fulfilling that sense of loss that you experience i still think it's still still too soon and the wounds are too fresh for me to make any grandiose plans to lay out any you know great um structured plan or uh, i i don't know before my daughter passed, I thought about her of every second, of every minute, of every day. And that hasn't changed. And she's gone. And it's, it's going to be rough. So I can't make any promises to stick to a plan, to have, you know, meet these goals and check, check these boxes on a list. I, I, I don't know what the future holds. But I'm going to try and hold it together right now for my daughter and for my mother. That's all I got to say. That's good. So uh, this relates just generally to bipolar disorder. Have you accepted it? Are you embarrassed of it? Do you feel like it's just who you are or it's like what you have? I wouldn't say it's who you are. Do you feel like you've grown to manage it, accept it? Or I've never been embarrassed about my depression or I, I joke about it all the time and I'll tell anyone who's willing to listen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bipolar. I'm so, Kyle just wants to ask is if 
you mentioned that you're pretty intelligent and you grew up in a very uh pretty high IQ, I guess. Do you feel that with that innate ability that might have affected your mental health later in the in the years to come? It's definitely affected because knowing what I know, the things that I know and the, what I'm capable of, it makes it more frustrating to be living, you know, in a boarding home, in a, in a GRH boarding house, uh, unemployed, you know, um, I'm, you know, no car, no job, no house, you know, it's, it's, it's embarrassing that in that sense, someone my age and for what I've been through in life and for what the gifts I was given, the talent I was given, that's what makes it frustrating. My daughter just passed away, but yet I don't have the financial resources to aid with her, with her memorial service, with her funeral. That's humiliating and embarrassing. I mean, I'm in, my, I'm in my 40s. I should have a nest egg put away. I should have money put away, scrolled away, and I don't. I should have the resources. I should have a 401k. I don't. You know, I, don't have, uh, I blew that a long time ago. I had a I had a deferred comp account. I blew that a long time ago. So it seems like the consequences for all of my mistakes later in life here have all come back and haunted me at the same time. So I'm, it's very frustrating. That's, and again, that that exacerbates that perpetuates my my um, my depression and my suicidal thoughts. I just, so there's a lot of people in general that in the community believe that. It, if you put yourself to work, things will get better or things like that. But do you feel like on another perspective, so, that if you feel like crap or not feeling very good, that it's really hard to get yourself motivated to work on a daily basis? Working in the legislature, I've worked 60-hour weeks. Working as the store manager of a Perkins and a Culver's and a McDonald's, I've worked 50, 60-hour weeks. Could I right now, with my mindset, work a 40-hour week, 50-hour week right now? Probably not. Could I work 15, 20 hours a week? Maybe. Um, another thing that's got to be, that should be pointed out in our society, there's not a lot of forgiveness uh, when it comes to forgiveness of, of your sins uh, criminally, uh, forgiveness of debt. Um, I can provide two good examples of that. Uh, I am not eligible to get the federal economic stimulus money, the $1,200 from the federal government because I owe arrears, arrears on child support and what's called revenue recapture by the state of Minnesota. Any tax refund I'll ever get, any, anything like that, um, tax rebate, uh, uh, a stimulus payment, uh, that's snapped up from past debt, namely, namely uh, uh, arrears on child support. And now my daughter's deceased, so that's more of a kick in the balls. Um, I also default on a federal student loan, so if I ever want to go back to school, there's, there's a consequence to that, that I, I can't get another government loan because I defaulted on a federal student loan. So there's not much forgiveness with debt. There's not for much forgiveness with your sins and the fact that I have some great job and life experiences in my past. And yet, I won't be able to make it past the first interview with most of these jobs. If I went out and applied for 
10, 20 jobs, jobs that I'm qualified for, jobs that would pay a decent wage that I could, you know, have my own apartment, have a car, have pay insurance, do the things I need to do. Um, I can't, I can't get those jobs because of my criminal past. So yeah, they, they passed ban the box. Uh, I think one legislative session ago, so they can't ask about felonies on a job application. Ask about, but that doesn't. There's no law against them asking about that in the job interview. There's no law against them running a background check. So this society and culture we live in is very unforgiving. A lot of things, and and, and your past sins and your and your past debt are are two chief among those. Do you honestly feel that maybe your criminal background is? What's causing the most frustration versus your yes. mental health? Or yes. If, if I could go out and get a, 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 a good job, and I used to work for Prevent Child Abuse Minnesota. I used to work for uh, Hamlin Midway Coalition as a community organizer. Um, I've had some great jobs in nonprofit sector. I used to work for a place called the Northwest Area Foundation. They fought poverty in a, a five state region. And I won't be able to, to work for a lot of nonprofits because of my criminal past. Um, the higher paying management jobs in food and in the, in, the, in the food and entertainment industry that I'm qualified for, I, you know, I have culinary training, I'm food safety certified. Uh, I can't get, get a management job in any restaurant because, uh, um, because of my criminal past. You have to pass background checks to be a man store manager. So, because you deal with you know, passion. So another another question I have is also related to your uh, mental health. Do you feel that? I guess all these things add up, and it just it really weighs on your my mind, and it's it's um, it's a cumulative effect of just you, you. It's like a fifteen round heavyweight championship fight, and you're losing. You're just getting pounded and pounded on for fifteen rounds. That's a good analogy. So, how do you feel about how do you feel about I'm, this? I'm t I feel tired and beat up. You do know other people with alcohol addictions, right? Do you feel that gambling is just as bad, or could be as significantly consequential as other addictions like drugs? And yes, um, it can. But I'm gonna say with a caveat: I, you're you're not gonna die of cirrhosis of the liver from gambling. You're not gonna die from alcohol poisoning from gambling. But um, mentally, yes. They're on par. They're equal. I, uh, yeah, I, you know, I almost, I don't, I don't want, I don't know. I almost think maybe I would have had more fun if I had a drug addiction throughout life rather than a gambling addiction. At least I would have got something a little more out of it, you know. But no, I, I didn't make a statement, but uh, it's um, your opinion. It's, I think you're entitled to speak how you feel. You know, I I never struggled with a dual diagnosis with an addiction, but I did have like seven hospitalizations, several stints of depression, several stints of suicidal ideations, a 90 degree Ertz home, and maybe two partial hospitalizations. And what I learned from all this is that from a long winded point from my past to the present to the future it's it's a lot to process so i feel like it's just so much better just take it day by day and instead of trying to process the whole thing because you can't just like 
stick everything right. in your mouth and right. assume that Rome wasn't built in a day. Exactly. That's another good analogy. So I feel like, do you also feel that maybe in the short term, things are doing a lot better than what you might have experienced in the long term? That you feel you're on the right track? That you feel that you are managing things better? Or is it still pretty rough? And It's too early for me to say right now. I, I, I like to think I see light at the end of the tunnel, but that would just be hyperbole. I, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't see any light yet. I hope to, but my daughter was, <laughs> my daughter lived in a small town called Grand Rapids, Minnesota, up in Itasca County. And uh, <laughs> that's a pretty conservative, pretty conservative county, pretty conservative town. And I still, her mother Angel would tell me stories that uh, her and maybe two or three of her friends would, <laughs> would walk through town protesting things like the George Floyd stuff and, um, you know, social injustice. And it makes me smile because it's a very conservative town. And she is, you know, is protesting with two or three of her friends. You and that's about all the, you know, that's about all the liberals you're going to have in that town. She, do you kind of feel that when she was growing up, you could see a little bit you in her or? Oh, yes. Yeah. So my brother wants to ask, is, is there any last statement that you want to say to your daughter if she were alive right now? Uh, nothing more than I love you, and I've, I'm always proud of you. I've been proud of you since the day you were born. 